And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Well, good Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. And today we've got an action-packed program. I've got uh, some new friends and some old friends on this discussion. It's going to be a great discussion. We're going to be talking about selection reform because we no longer have a valid political system in this country that guarantees open and fair elections. We have a selection process in place. It's been there for quite a long time, but we're really finally starting to understand just exactly how deep that program is. Uh, today, they're going to be, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Rick Jor. Uh, Rick's an old friend from Montana. Uh, he is a four-term legislator in the state of Montana, and he ran as a constitutionalist and was the only guy that was uh, an outspoken constitutionalist that ended up getting elected for four terms. Nobody else has ever done that in Montana. And when he tried to run as a constitutionalist, he ran into some real uh, haywire problems, and we're going to hear about that. But uh, I'm hoping we can draft Rick to run as our next senator to replace John Tester. We're going to talk about that later. But uh, Tina Marie Peters from Mesa County, Colorado, is going to be joining us as well. And Tina is the lady who is a county clerk in Mesa County in Grand Junction, uh, refused to certify the 2020 election because she saw anomalies taking place in that election and she wanted an investigation into those anomalies before she was willing to certify. And boy, did she run into a, a, a haywire bunch of uh, lunatics as a result of that. We also have uh, Jordan Conradson and his dad, Jim, are going to be joining us. And Jordan is a reporter with the Gateway Pundit. He just won $175,000 judgment against Maricopa County. You're not going to hear about this in the newspapers. You're not going to hear about this on TV, but we have a, a short clip. And Thumper, let's go ahead and get that clip ready to play. 
because I want to open the program with that. It's the Ninth Circuit Court, no less. I mean, this is the most liberal court in the country. And uh, I want you to hear what their comments are before we start the program. It seems to me that, I mean, we live in a very polarized society. And, it's, and we have human beings making these decisions. And it seems to me on some level, and I'm just speaking for myself, that your client walked right into it because th this individual, I don't know this individual, but he seems like he might not be entirely pleasant on all counts. But, you know, the First Amendment means that we, get, we have to hear things sometimes that we don't want to hear. And, and it protects the unpopular speech and what the truth is, that's what the first, we, we expect that, that debate to go on in the press about what the truth is. And it just seems like you've got county officials here not liking this person and what this person's saying. And, you know, they, uh, you know, it's, they fell right in the trap. Respectfully, Your Honor, I think that takes the wrong inference from this very limited record. Um, and that's because the county focused on the process of the news gathering, not the outcome in terms of making this determination. So one of the- Why is that relevant? I, help me understand why that's relevant. The process of the news gathering, they're all using the same process. I mean, it's, it's almost nonsensical what you're saying. They're not using the same process because in this case, um, there was a discussion about whether or not you were as part of the news gathering process contacting the officials for comment is one example that was used and brought up both by the plaintiff's expert and as well by the county. And um, there was... Um, that, I, I gotta be honest, what you just said seems like a blatant violation of the First Amendment. I mean, I, to, to discuss how they're doing their news gathering, I don't even understand that. To, first of all, I don't even see that in the standards. The standards don't talk about that. The standards talk about conflicts of interest. They have nothing to do with what you just said. Your Honor, the, the com from the county's perspective, the conflicts of interest in the associations play out in, the, in that process. In terms I, of- I gotta be honest, this just goes to the point that you guys can't be trusted with the First Amendment. I, th that's crazy. The position you just took is completely in violation of the First Amendment. Your Honor, it's not in violation of the First Amendment because it isn't dependent upon the viewpoint that the uh, speaker is taking. It wouldn't matter where on. I mean, the it, ca it can't be right that you get to dictate who they talk to, how they go about gathering. The, it, that, it, it can't be. That can't be. It can't be right. Your Honor, the county was simply following, or perhaps from this panel's perspective, attempting to follow and, and failing to do so. Um, what the Seventh Circuit laid out in terms of McIver and what was the county was permitted to rely on as a reasonable government interest in journalistic integrity. The panel, um, there are eight people, uh, as it was um, discussed below, that were on this group. Uh, it was discussed that not all um, have a journalistic background, but some do. And so they were interpreting it in that way. Uh, and that is the way that they attempted to why apply. are you doing this why why are you doing this i don't understand it i, I to judge callahan's point I mean, 
I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt, but this argument is raising more red flags rather than resolving the red flags on how Maricopa County is, 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 is applying these standards. Because everything you just I, said has nothing to do with conflict of interest. And if it does, it's a very contorted view of conflict of interest. And that goes exactly to the vagueness position that's being taken here. Okay, that, uh, that's a great lead into this program. I see uh, Jim Conradson's on with us. Uh, uh, Jim, do you know if Jordan's gonna join us? Because we just played that clip. You're not gonna see that on the lamestream media. You're not gonna see that in the press unless it's you know kind of an obscure part of an article somewhere. And that is absolutely amazing because the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is the most liberal court in this country. Uh, frankly, they have came up, they have come up with some of the most lame brain ideas and rulings in the whole judicial system, but even they saw the fallacy that uh, Maricopa County was trying to bring forward. I, I, uh, I hope uh, Jordan is uh, where he, he can join us because I really want to get his comments. Incidentally, uh, Jim is a uh, Montana resident now, but he's also a former uh, Arizona resident. In fact, I'm in Arizona right now, and he's in Montana. So uh, we're kind of swapping places here. But um, Jim has raised two sons that both are incredibly good reporters. They both work at the Gateway Pundit. They both uh, write articles uh, on a lot of the issues that we're going to be talking about tonight and or this afternoon. And so I, uh, I just applaud the fact that you raise such uh, fine young men. Jordan's what, 22 years old? Yes, uh, he's, uh, I think he turns 22 this year. Um, he's been through a lot of uh, controversy throughout his life. I mean, he, uh, <clears throat> back in uh, 2018, he had a uh, massive, uh, in fact, I, I thought we lost him. He, he was involved in a um, horrendic um, accident. But uh, over the last couple of years, uh, since 2018, he's come back and he's come back stronger. And um, it, it, it's just all, you know, incredible to me to see my sons, both sons, actually taking up the banner and um, fighting for um, the Constitution in, in so many ways. And I think Jordan just won his court case with the Ninth, Ninth Circuit. I think it was Ninth Circuit. Yeah, it um, is. Where they tried to block him from being uh, a reporter in, in reporting on uh, what's happening in Arizona. And they tried to shut him out. And I think he won that constitutional uh, freedom of, of the press uh, interview. Um, I just texted him um, to make sure that he could get on. And I think it would be important for him to get on because he, he has a lot to say of the topic that we, we just brought up there. Um, but yeah, and Dan, I appreciate you having me on and, and inviting me to this uh, forum. Well, I know that um, Jordan has worked very closely with the Carrie Lake campaign. 
And yeah. that I would like to talk about, bring that into the discussion as well, because you talk about a, a travesty, that is it, to have Katie Hobbs in the governor's office when she was 13 points behind in all the polling less than a week before the the actual election. And then she ended up, uh, Katie Hobbs, uh, won another one of these squeakers, kind of like uh, kind of like lame Joe uh, yep. won over uh, Trump. And so it's the same thing. It's Arizona. It was Maricopa County was the the key to this thing. And I'm telling you, I am so sick of rotten, disgusting, uh, crooked elections around this country. And uh, we're, we're going to have Jeff O'Donnell on with us. And I, you know, if you get a chance, listen to Jeff. He uh, He's a computer, forensic computer expert. And uh, he works with and is good friends with Dennis Montgomery, the, the CIA whistleblower that was a contractor for the CIA and uh, designed the software called Face, uh, I'm sorry, Hammer and Scorecard. And uh, Scorecard was used in foreign elections to change the outcomes of elections. And in 2015 or so, uh, Barack Obama put that uh, software in play in the United States. And that's when uh, Dennis Montgomery became a whistleblower. So we don't have fair elections in this country, and it's time that we get back to fair elections. I'm going to uh, start. I'm going to open this, though. I, 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 Rick, I invited you first to come on because you are someone who has faced this in the state of Montana. You've been excluded just because you would not identify yourself with either the Democrat, Republican, or the independent parties. You wanted to run as a constitutionalist, and you hit some major headwinds as a result of that. Uh, Rick, welcome to the program. Uh, Rick Jor is from Ronan, Montana. He's one of the, uh, nationally, one of the uh, primary uh, providers of uh, fish uh fingerling fish, uh, cutthroat, western cutthroat trout, uh, all over the state of Montana and all over the West. And uh, the cutthroat trout are the uh, state fish. And uh, also he he travels all over the country in that regard. But he was considered one of the, I guess I would call it standout legislators in the state of Montana for all four terms that he served because he stood by the Constitution and he wasn't one to waver. And he had respect of both parties uh, in that regard, uh, at least uh, the elected officials anyway. Uh, Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. I'm, uh... Am I coming through okay? I, yeah, uh, you're you're just fine, and okay. uh, I hope I covered everything that uh, in your resume. Yes, uh, you're kind, too kind, actually. Uh, I, I need to clarify one thing so the fish and game doesn't get on me. Uh, you mentioned that I provide uh, West Slope cutthroat for uh, public waters as well as private waters. Actually, I only sell to private individuals, Dan. Oh. Oh, I did not and, know that. Uh, 
Well, and uh, in Montana anyway, because the state raises their own strain of West Slope. And so I wanted to clarify that so they don't uh, barge through the doors here and uh, arrest me for illegally stocking public waters. Uh, in this day and age, that's almost doing something like that is almost worse than murder. So uh, just to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm looking forward to your other guests and learning. Um, you and I had mentioned Jane Rechtenwald, and I've been visiting with her and uh, her efforts with the Montana Election Integrity Project and, uh, and learning a lot because I'm not well informed as far as the details of uh, machine voting uh, and how all that works. And so I'm learning a lot. My um, experience and observation has led me to uh, something of a different conclusion regarding election integrity. I shouldn't say different, but a, another aspect of election integrity. So in my mind, there's this, this whole issue that we relate to election integrity, and that is proper, you know, getting a proper count of, of legal and valid votes. And there's, so there's that aspect of it. And I'm anxious to listen to uh, uh, Tina, I think it is, and, and her experience there on that. But the other aspect, as far as election integrity, that I'm more, have been concentrating on because of my experience is uh, the, uh, the notion of, what our choices are on that ballot. And I've become quite uncomfortable, quite frankly, with the control that the, uh, that the parties have regarding what our choices are. And so um, as we talk here, maybe uh, different ideas of what I've concluded will come up, but in a nutshell, my conclusion is this, Dan, and, and I feel very strongly about this, that my vote is an expression of my conscience. And, um, and the parties, as has been, has been my experience in the past, assume that I have to vote for their candidate. Otherwise, uh, if I don't, that's the same thing as voting for the opposite party candidate, that that is offensive to me because that is an assumption that my ballot and my conscience belongs to that party. And I I don't like that. And so just to close out my my remarks here, my conclusion of what I do personally is I, I'm going to re, I reclaim my ballot and uh, I want to throw this out because some of your other guests may have comments on it. And I don't vote in the party line when I vote. Um, if there's a Republican, then there's a few that I can vote for. I put their, I write their name on the right in line. Mm -hmm. um, and that's my way of protesting the party label and the fact that um, uh, I don't agree with qualifying 
associations, i.e. political parties, for the ballot. I see the Constitution as uh, anticipating that individuals qualify for the ballot and not associations. And so I've, I've reclaimed my ballot in my view, and I, I'll gladly vote for Matt Rosendell, for example, but I write his name in on the right-hand line, and I leave the label off. And I've double-checked with the election administrators, and maybe Tina would have a remark about this. But uh, that's counted, but it has to be hand-counted. Correct. The machine can't count that. And I, I think that's a benefit. Maybe there's an argument against that. But uh, um, I think if we were to... I don't know. I think if that kind of a movement gained traction, that perhaps we could negate some of the control of the parties over our ballots. And and let me just close with this remark, Dan. The reason I think that's an issue is because once political parties are granted ballot access, they can no, they can't control who who files for office on their under their party label. And I think that's a real problem as far as maintaining integrity of the parties. Uh, once, once the party qualifies uh, as a, in Montana, it's called a qualified party, then anybody can file under that party label. And that was the requirement that you mentioned when I filed. Uh, I see the Constitution of Montana as saying that no other declaration uh, shall be required apart from the oath of office. No other test or declaration shall be required to hold public office. And uh, I think the way we're doing our elections, qualifying political parties, uh, at least in, in relation to the Republican Party, works really well for the rhino types. And they utilize that. They utilize the party label as a as a method of deception rather than a method of information for the voter. So well, uh, Rick, and I'm gonna jump in. There's a couple of things I want to mention. Number one is it's important that we hand count all of our votes because the machines have uh, really destroyed the integrity of the election process. So I recommend that everybody, when they vote, they write in the candidate of their choice. Even if they're on the regular ballot form, go ahead and write it in as a write-in candidate. That way it has to be hand-counted. You cannot uh, uh, throw this through the machines and allow them to uh, pull out every fifth vote and, and flip it for the other guy. Or That's not something you can program on a computer. So in that regard, I say that. And then, um, you know, your comment about the uh, uh, being able to run as a rhino, being able to run in uh, the other parties. Uh, election. That happens all the time in Montana, and we tried to stop that. I think you remember um, six years ago, probably six years ago, seven years ago, um, Matthew Monforton was working on trying to close the open primary in the state of Montana so that you could not 
declare yourself a Democrat and then turn right around and declare yourself a Republican and run in the Republican primary, because that happens quite a bit. Uh, Democrats in Montana don't do well. And so what they do is they run as Republicans, and then they do the same thing they would have done if they were elected as a Democrat. And you know one of them is in Madison County is uh, Ray Shaw. I mean, he voted like a Democrat uh, probably 60% of the time. So anyway, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to stop with that. I want to bring uh, Tina into the discussion. She's been very patiently watching. Uh, Tina, you went through this process. You've been through the court process. Uh, you are right now, I think, fighting for a uh, – uh, did you win the ch a state chair position in uh, Colorado, or is that in the process right now? No, I did not. And I, I, I want to talk about that. Um, but where would you like for me to start? There's a there's much muchness in what's going on here. Well, there is. And thank you for being our guest, incidentally. And uh, you you uh, were on with us, a, I, I don't know, a couple of months ago, I think. But um, you were talking about when you refused to certify the election in Mesa County. And incidentally, uh, Mesa County is probably one of the most conservative counties in the state of uh, Colorado. I lived in Colorado for 20-some years, and um, I love uh, Mesa County because they were a, a true red county in a, a very, very spotty blue state. So thank you. Thank you for having me on, and I'm I'm. it's my pleasure to be with such uh, wonderful guests today to talk about this. So um, it's the state of Colorado is really a red state. Uh, there was, uh, if you read the blueprint, it tells you exactly how they took over. And of course, Dominion's headquarters is here in Denver, uh, which is the voting system that we use. But it doesn't matter if it's Dominion, ESNS, Hart, uh, Sequoia. It, it, it doesn't matter. Anytime you have an electronic voting machine, you're going to have fraud, especially in these voting machines. Um, so the, it wasn't that I was want, didn't want to certify the 2020 election. It was that I... I thought there were things going on in other states with the 2020 election, but I really didn't think it was going on in my county. And as the clerk and recorder, I have five, I had five divisions, which one of them was elections, motor vehicle uh, recording and clerk to the board of county commissioners and things. So I over five divisions, you know, I really took pride in, in what I did. I opened up offices. I, I shortened wait times, I always worked within the budget, but I was an outsider. So from the very beginning, the uh, secretary of state and those that were against free and fair elections wanted me out. I'd never heard of ballot stuffing. They stuffed my ballot box to try to frame me. And, uh, and when I looked at the, this was in 2019, I was elected in 2018, uh, actually took office early. And, um, and then, uh, uh, and within a month of being elected, I'd already been doing my job 10 months before. And I opened up offices to reduce the three and a half hour wait times, all these things, never expecting the onslaught of the, 
um, the corruption that I, as a business owner for 32 years prior to that, you know, I just wanted to do a good job. I was like Trump. I just wanted to come in, fix things and do a great job. In 2019, a I, I, I know who it was. I'm not going to say on this show, but it was a uh, Democrat operative uh, that came in, had motive access and opportunity to put ballots from the 2019 election uh, into the box outside of my office, the um, uh, uh, the um, ballot box. Mm-hmm. In And when we opened it in February, February 28th of 2020 for the presidential primary to start receiving ballots, they found 500 ballots in there. Well, I went back and looked at the video and in the video between 523 and 7 p.m. that night of that uh, coordinated election in November, there was only at the most had three people counted at the most. There was 200, maybe 219. And I said, if you're going to, if you're not sure, make sure you count it as two. You know, if you're not sure if it's one or, or two sandwiched together of the ballots. So there's no way. But immediately they, the secretary of state and the people in her office and the Democrats on the ground and the people that wanted me out were ready with a recall. The recall failed. Um, so here we come to 2020. Uh, the uh, GOP chair comes comes to me, says, Tina, I know we won this state, but uh, I mean, we won our county, but not by as much as we should have. So I, I filed that back. I, you know, I, I still took people on tours that we're the gold standard. I was told our systems are air gapped. They can't connect to the Internet. Um, they, you know, everything is good. We do all these tests. So I would take people on tours. Well, it wasn't until the April 6th. 2021 municipal election. And when I pulled the totals as the, as the designated election official, when I pulled the totals that night at seven for that race, I said, there's no way, there's no way these people won. And I actually got sick to my stomach. One month later, Dominion, the vendor and uh, the secretary of state's office were coming in to do what they called a trusted build. And they were just going to, they said they were going to delete a QR code. Well, I reasoned that if they deleted a QR code, how would we be able to read the ballots that were done on the the ADA, the ICX devices where people go in and then it spits out a a paper ballot and with a a QR code on it. So I asked, I said, I'd like to have someone in that from IT came back up the system. IT refused. I asked the secretary of state, and all of a sudden they start getting real secretive. No, we don't want the press in there. I always had the press, I always had, you know, um, um, the community, the citizens in to watch what was going on. No, 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 none of that. So I, I knew that something was up. I just had a feeling that something was not going to be right. So I commissioned uh, someone to come in and do a backup. They didn't change anything. They went in, they took an image before Dominion and the Secretary of State came in, and then they did a second image after they they left. And what they found, and Jeff O'Donnell actually did my third report, Mesa County report, uh, that you'll see in the movie Selection Code at selectioncode.com. The first reports showed, the first report showed they deleted 29,000 vital election records. These are records that show how you get to an election. 
So these are the, the, the log files and audit files that are required by law to be kept completely deleted. We can tell they're deleted because there is in the before image, they're there and the after image, they're gone. Wow. So that's, um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop for a minute and, and I can continue on the, um, oh, there he is, by the way, mm -hmm. <laughs> There's Jeff. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> good, good. Well, no, this is, uh, this is why we're doing this because we want people to not forget what's really going on here and um, make sure that we get back to fair and open elections because frankly, the future of our country is in real serious jeopardy right now. And the only way that's gonna change is if we go back, and I'm, I'm the first one to say this, go back to paper ballots, hand counted at the precinct level, that's why uh, what Rick was talking about a little earlier is absolutely spot on, right in the candidate, in the right in line, and that way they have to hand count it. They cannot run it through these damn machines. And I'm a former county commissioner, so I know we were we would go in and we were there to supposedly certify the machines that the count was accurate. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all well and good, except that you could write into the program at midnight on the date of the election, you could write it right in the code that all of a sudden uh, things would change and you could start flipping votes or anything else. Any election on a computer program can be compromised. There's no question about it. We need to go back to hand-counted ballots and do it at the precinct level and then have everything certified. Uh, Jeff, I'm, it's good to see you, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I mentioned to Rick George, uh, Rick was not familiar with you. He was a little bit familiar with uh, Tina, but um, Rick was our uh, legislator from the state of Montana that served four terms. He was one of the most highly regarded legislators in the state, and he ran as a constitutionalist. And he has run into all kinds of headwinds now because they don't want to allow him to run as a constitutionalist. He's got to declare himself a Republican, a Democrat, or an independent. And uh, he is just refusing to do that. And He's, he's really battled with that. We'll talk about that later. But uh, Jeff O'Donnell, you are a friend of Dennis Montgomery. I've talked about Hammer and Scorecard a lot because Mary Fanning and Alan Jones are good friends of mine, and they've been on my program a number of times talking about Hammer and Scorecard. Tell our listeners a little bit about some of the things that you've encountered as a um, uh, forensic computer expert. Well, thank you uh, for having me on. Uh, I've spent uh, uh, the last two years uh, pouring over data from uh, <laughs> pretty much everywhere uh, on the elections. Um, from my background, uh, I've, I've been a computer, a database professional, dev developer, etc. for I guess almost 41 years now. I'm saying 40, but it's actually 41 now. Um, and when I had the opportunity, uh, you, know, the, you know, the big opportunity was, of course, thanks to uh, Tina here, uh, who provided the uh, 
raw material uh, for us and nightmare fuel for the other people uh, of the uh, of the server image. Uh, so uh, I was able to go in and, and uh, you know publish some reports about the, the proof in there. I mean, it's it's uh, it's not like oh well statistically and, and, and believe me, there's there's a lot. If, if you look at this election anyway, like uh, I, I heard Mike Lindell said the other day about this is like a diamond heist where you have different cameras and different witnesses, and that's exactly what it is. And all of those cameras and all those witnesses uh, show the same thing in various degrees of uh, of, of clarity. And and the the Mesa uh, information was a big one uh, because I'd say that was the one that was pointing at the uh, the actual uh, diamond case uh, at the time and shows that that uh, that they were indeed stolen. Uh, I've also been uh, um, with my my little raccoon army of people spread out across the country. We've gotten uh, cast vote records. Cast vote records are are simply a list of what ballots were processed by the county and what votes were on them uh, and what precinct they were from. At its lowest level, that's exactly what it is. And say who the voter was or anything like that. Uh, and and we've gotten those from uh, 27 states for 2020. Uh, and, 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 you know, all, all told, if you take all the cast vote records we've gotten for, for all the elections then and since for well over a thousand. The reason that's important is that that uh, a cast vote record, if it's uh, you know, properly formatted, which most most are, uh, lets you replay the election from start to finish. How the votes came in, you know, as as they were counted, as if you were could go back in time and see. Uh, now, of course, do I believe that's actually how the votes were counted? No. Uh, a lot of what of what I do and what other people do, you have to understand that. Uh, it's like we're examining a car crash. Uh, we can only examine the car after it's been demolished. Uh, we 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 can make some some uh, very educated guesses of what the car looked like before, but we don't know for sure because all we have is a, a kind of tangled piece of wreckage, which was our 2020 elections, and frankly, everyone since then, and probably quite a few before that. So that's what uh, that's what I've been doing. I'm just pouring into every data, finding everything. Uh, it's 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 kind of funny because you know if I'd have looked into Mesa, uh, and, and I even said this to my wife when I was trying to 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 not do it <laughs> uh, back then. It's like you know there's not going to be anything there. I mean, a, a company like Dominion, if they're if they're cheating, isn't going to be dumb enough to let evidence. Uh, sitting on the server. Uh, you know, I'm not going to find anything. If that had been the case, I probably just would have moved on with my life. But no, instead, within like, you know, nine minutes of, of opening the thing up and looking, I found the first uh, thing there that shouldn't have been, numbers that should have added up that didn't. And then everything came from that. So uh, that's what I'm doing. I, I have had the great privilege and honor to work with Dennis Montgomery. And I do call him my friend. Uh, we we actually work together almost every day uh, now in terms of how we're moving the ball forward uh, on the data that he has. Uh, the day will come uh, when we see everything in the mean, and, and, and we are preparing for that day. I think it's important for you to know that. It's not like we're sitting around waiting and when the, uh, the, uh, the judge or justice department finally says, okay, all right, we can no longer justify uh, putting a gag order on this uh, on this information, that it's not like we're, then we're going to say, oh, good. Well, I guess we better do something with it then. Uh, we're we're working now to prepare uh, our first strike with this information, 
so that uh, when that happens, uh, we will be ready to uh, ready to pounce on it. Well, that's uh, that's a fascinating discussion because what Tina talked about is how how she hired someone to come in and do a backup of the system before Dominion got there, and so that she could compare it to what happened after Dominion got there. And Tina, uh, you you were absolutely skewered, and they tried to attack your uh, programmer that did that work and try to make him out of some kind of villain or uh, complete imbecile. Maybe tell our listeners a little about that process. Well, so they, as soon as they found out, I, I, I was not expecting the information to come out like it did as quickly as it did um, in a public venue. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I look back, people said, well, if you had it to do over, would you have done it differently? And I said, well, yeah, I'd rather it just have quietly come out. But, you know, God had a different idea. And his idea was if it hadn't have come out the way that it did in this big splash like that at the symposium, because see, I didn't even know this was coming out like that. If it didn't come out like it did at the symposium, it probably would have gotten swept under the rug. The worst mistake that they made was to make a big deal out of it and go to my office raid my office literally while I was in South Dakota and then come back a week later, take all the machines out and, and all the things they did, they papered up the, the windows. They wouldn't let my chief deputy in. Um, I was whisked to uh, from the symposium to Texas for my protection a week later after being there, my hotel room was physically breached. The door jam that was torn up uh, when I went to my hotel room after uh, coming from the uh, the laundry laundry in the pool. Um, it was it, there was about four inches of of daylight coming through it, so it was it was obviously someone had breached it and bent the uh, whether it was to find the images or whether it was just to scare me. Uh, so then I was moved to another location where I had twenty four seven security. About a month later, when the first report came out and Doug Gould did that report, when it came out, I felt safe enough to come back to Mesa County. I presented it to the commissioners and you haven't been a commissioner, you know, you understand. I, I, I presented to the commissioners and to the DA, but Dominion had already been there and Dominion had already uh, uh, said that they were, in my opinion, that they were going to sue the county for this so-called breach that never happened. Um, and because by law, I, I am I am supposed to, by law, back up the election, which I did. Um, and so what in, what in broad, I'm still going through it. It's two years later. I just went up to a, a, uh, they went after me to try to get anything they could on me. They last year, there, an indictment came out, a, a seven felony, three misdemeanor indictment that I'll face in October. Um, in the meantime, a year ago, they had seized an iPad that, uh, that they had missed during the 26, uh, I'm sorry, the November 16th, 2021, after I brought the report out, then the second report out, the FBI raided my home and the home of three others and took all of my electronic devices except for this iPad. 
They found out they didn't get the iPad, so they had to figure out how to get that. Um, it, but the day after I was raided by the FBI, they went into the nursing home where my husband of over three decades was there. He has advanced dementia and Parkinson's had him sign a divorce decree. I found out one month before our 36th wedding anniversary that I was divorced, which meant all my VA benefits, everything. I mean, my, you wow. know, so, so this is the type of intimidation, the type of attacks they, uh, they're trying to take my house now. Um, they, so, so the, the, so just a few weeks ago, and I have another one, May 5th, I um, went for my sentencing for the first, they had, they had said I was recording. This is what they accused me of recording a, a hearing court hearing while I was sitting in the gallery, in the, in the audience of this court hearing, they accused me of using that iPad to film a proceeding that was on WebEx live. And then the next day I'm at a commissioner's meeting and we're calling them out. There's five of us. I, they, they see the iPad in my purse. They go and, and this, this started at nine at nine 48. They got a search warrant, followed me a block away with, I was with five other uh, supporters, constituents, and and um, handcuffed me. Uh, it was in uh, charged me with obstruction of a government operation, obstruction of um, uh, of a police officer. So I was found not guilty on obstruction of a police officer, but I was found guilty on obstruction of a government operation. So the sentencing was, if you can imagine him, a 67 year old grandmother, gold star mom, cancer survivor, don't even have a parking ticket, uh, any kind of law, uh, uh, past law infractions. They charged me with four, they, the, the DA wanted jail. He wanted jail time wow. and made it very clear. I got four, four uh, months of house arrest with an ankle bracelet, 120 hours of public service and restitution. Now I have another trial coming up May 5th, just a few short weeks ago away where um, they will decide whether I lied to the judge. And if I was actually recording uh, the proceeding, they have not been able to get into the iPad. So they're going to be sorely disappointed there, but they're going to try to do something there. And then in October comes the, um, the felony indictment, which they're going to try to put me in prison. That's what they want. Um, so I did run for secretary of state, um, and they cheated the election and, and Jeff can explain what they did in, in, in on that night. I mean, we were watching in real time. I was up 47% in the polls. I said, I'm the only one that can do this, um, to save Colorado. And, um, they flipped the votes. They flipped it, um, that night. Uh, then I said, okay, as a last ditch effort to save Colorado, I have to run for Colorado GOP chair. Mm -hmm. And I was doing well at that. And at the very last minute, somebody came in and they, they endorsed someone else and the people were fearful, you know, and, and that's why I want to call out people. Stop being fearful. We've got the Chinese on our border right now coming into this country. I don't know if you guys know this or not, oh, but yeah. I was I was on with Intel uh, uh, on Friday and they were in Panama. They can see the Chinese walking to America 
And, and this is what's going on right now. And, and people are afraid to vote for Donald Trump or vote for me, people like me, because we could end up in jail. Well, we're going to fight. We're not going to end up in jail. We're going to fight. So, um, so that's, that's kind of what's going on, but Jeff or, um, can explain what happened in Garfield County that night after the, all, everybody left and whatever you guys want to go. Well, for. let's do that. Jeff, uh, do kind of talk about that. And incidentally, Tina, I mean, what you're talking about is stuff that would you have ever believed when we were young people, that we would be living in a Soviet-style system where we had to be afraid of our government because they would do all this crap to us? No. I mean, it's unbelievable. We've it's uncovered going. what they don't want you to see, and they're going to try to shut us up, you know? Mm -hmm. But when you lose a son at 20, a Navy SEAL son at 27 years old, there's not much else they can do to me, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't know what to do with me. Well, I feel the same way. That's why I'm such a big mouth and do these podcasts is for that very reason. Uh, if we don't stand up, who's going to? And that's why it's so important to have people like Jordan Conradson, who is 22 years old and willing to report all this kind of stuff. And uh, what a dynamite kid he really is. I hope he can join us at some point. Uh, Jeff, uh, go ahead and talk about that uh, that election because that is a big deal. They flipped a, a, a large percentage of votes, didn't they? It certainly gave that appearance. Um, I wanted to backtrack a minute and make a couple of points about what was to amplify some things that, that, that Tina said. You know, if if they had not made the big splash at the symposium, I mean, I mean, not that I'm anything special, but I probably never would have known. Uh, about this and, and other people as well. So I think that God was in the details there uh, of the way that that came out. And, and something else that I want to point out for, for, for Tina's benefit, uh, you only, and correct me if I'm wrong, you only went out and hired the outside person because you you went through channels. You tried to get somebody in the county and, and a different in an IT department to do this backup, which you are legally required to do and they would not help you. Is that correct? That's correct, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that just makes it so sweet. So we, we get to this election. The uh, and uh, one thing that's that's kind of common across the board on the uh, Republican primaries was that I probably heard fifteen times from different candidates across the country that it looks like that they gave my votes to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it makes it interesting that that many people on their own, you know, said that, made that observation. Uh, and and I would say that, that you know, in Mesa, it, that definitely looked the case. And it, it is interesting that uh, at 1130 on election night in Garfield County, now you have to understand, uh, we've, we've talked to people at Garfield and they finished their counting, closed up and left at 1030 that night. So an hour later, uh, on the results that are being fed by Edison Research and uh, New York Times and the news agencies, all of a sudden the Garfield uh, results flipped. And it wasn't like they were adding votes or it was like they had simply assigned the votes to another candidate. So suddenly uh, Tina was in the lead and uh, uh, it, it just shuffled them completely, the three person race. It, it, it shuffled them completely. They all had each other votes and that remained that way uh, for you know 
about 16 hours. It was, it was sometime the next afternoon that that it was corrected. Uh, if they did not report that from Garfield County, which they obviously didn't, they weren't there. Then it was either the the state that made some kind of an update. But why would the state make an update when they hadn't gotten any? They couldn't have gotten anything from Garfield because again, they weren't there. Uh, or it was uh, some sort of a glitch that happened, you know, at at, at Edison or something like that. But then the same question has to occur. Why was anyone even messing with that data uh, at that particular time? Uh, and and you know again we're we're talking car crash here, uh, and and a lot of the, the, the components got burned up <laughs> in the crash. But uh, quite honestly, it would not surprise me that if if we could if we could have all of the you know the data available for that, that 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 might have been a tactic that was used. It might have simply. Uh, you know, I can tell you that it would be simplicity itself to reprogram a tabulator to to count votes for the wrong person. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, uh, uh, it's child's play uh, in terms of, of, of how difficult it would be. And we know uh, that they have the the passcodes. I didn't know they had the passcodes. That's why they flipped out. This is why we can't use machines. Sorry, Tina, go ahead. <laughs> well, well, that was the thing that was a shock to me. They were like, oh, my gosh, somebody put out on, on the Internet. I think it was on Gateway Pundit, actually, is where it came out. I'm, I, <laughs> but they had put out the, the, the passcodes. And I was like, I didn't know there were passcodes. Oh, yeah, there's secret passcodes that the uh, Secretary of State has. Well, what is the, the hyperpartisan Secretary of State, Democrat Jenna Griswold, doing with passcodes of my machines, my people's machines in Mesa County? You know that makes no sense that we didn't know. Also, just 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 real quick too, as far as the remember, I told you they said that they could not be connected to the inter internet. They had no way. They were air gapped. Well, we found out they had 36 wireless devices inside the machine. Oh, and now I went to the Capitol just a, 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 about a month or so ago to vote no on a bill that would, or vote for a bill that would have taken the wireless devices out of the machines. I thought there were no wireless devices in the machines. They voted no. They voted that the, the Democrat legislature voted no to take the wireless uh, uh, devices out of the machines. You can't make this stuff up. No, no, you can't. And and it's so incredibly corrupt. And all, all I can say is that your 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 comments about you can't make this up, but Jeff. You see how they can do it because you've been in this business. You've been a programmer for 41 years, and you know how simple it is to do this. I I uh, had a, a gentleman on, it's been a long time ago, but he wrote the book Vote Scam. He testified before the U.S. Senate in 1992 that they better get rid of the computerized voting in the elections because you'd never have another fair election. And he wrote the software. So you couldn't get a bigger, uh, a better expert, somebody with more expertise than the guy that testified. Yes, it's 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 no surprise that this happened. And by the way, I, I started uh, I started my career when I was two, by the way, 
Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, you know, yeah, um, uh, in case anybody's doing the math out there, uh, the um, it's it's it is a, a very serious problem, and it's it's just compounded uh, by the fact that you know it, it's it's a cliche to say I hate to use the word, but we we are we have a uniparty, uh, and we have for a lot. We've had for decades, and it was, and, and most of us were completely unaware. Uh, and so there is no check or balance on any of this. So you have machines that uh, ballots go in, or, or, or touch screens, or whatever go in, and votes come out the other end. And we have no right as citizens to know anything about the process in between. Uh, there are uh, hundreds, uh, maybe millions, there are hundreds, at least hundreds of thousands of lines of code uh, in these these voting system software to count, to to count, to add one to another number and get another number. Uh, the 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 way the system is set up from a data uh, standpoint is is how you would set it, how I would set it up. If you came to me and said, Jeff, I'm going to set up a system so that uh, we can be uh, the, well, the least transparent as possible and make sure that we can fiddle with anything and have no no record of it. I would have come up with something very similar to what I saw in the Mesa database. And 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 frankly, I don't want to single them out. Um, the other ones I've had a chance to look at also. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, Jeff, I got to tell you, I, I, um, I, I love your shirt, the Matrix shirt you're wearing. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to find out where you got it. I need one of those for the Red Pill Expo. <laughs> I mean, that is dynamite. I, I'm debuting this shirt today on your podcast. So, well, I'll tell you what, that is dynamite. It it uh, it stands out to me. Anybody that's a, a fan <laughs> of the Matrix and the Red Pill Expos would catch on on that one real fast. Uh, Rick, I want to get you back on. It's been a little bit, uh, a, a little time since you've been on. And incidentally, uh, Jim sent me a text message says that uh, Jordan will be joining us. And so as soon as he can, we'll, uh, we'll get him on as well. But uh, Rick, you know exactly how corrupt the system can be because you're, you're a very popular candidate in the state of Montana but you couldn't even run uh, in the election because a Republican, Corey Stapleton, refused to, uh, to certify you because you wouldn't declare a party. Maybe talk about that. Right, and, and, and yeah, his response was that, <clears throat> the response from the Secretary of State under Corey Stapleton was, there was no legal way for me to be placed on the ballot, Dan. Uh, and without declaring affiliation or non-affiliation, either declaring a qualified party or independent. And that's not how I read the Constitution. I, I just don't see anything in the Constitution sanctioning the notion, and I'm talking the Montana Constitution, sanctioning the notion of qualifying political parties. Uh, not that, in other words, my point is the right of association should be no more uh, important than the right of non-affiliation as a candidate. And 
for example, if if I uh, were able, was able to place get my name placed on the ballot, um, I would be hopeful that perhaps I could gain the endorsement of more than one political party, perhaps the Libertarian Party, perhaps the Constitution Party, perhaps the Re Republican Party even. And so that's that's what I'm advocating is that we've got to really re-examine this notion of qualifying parties and how that has any constitutional sanction. I think I've concluded that that's the only way we can maintain um, the equal protection rights, the right of non-association being equal with the right of association for candidates. And 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. Well, it uh, uh, looks like maybe, uh, Rick, Rick we're, uh, we lost you there for a second. I hope we're, uh, no. we're okay on this end. Um, yeah, my computer's telling me my internet connection's unstable. It's been going on off and on. Am I back? Yeah, you're back right now. Mm -hmm. Tina, and you're, and good for you. When you were talking, I could, all I could think about was Voltaire's statement, uh, it's dangerous to be right when your government's wrong. And good for you, good for, you for, for uh, putting um, being right above fear because we're being governed by intimidation. And I think they're, uh, by and large, the statists are counting on us to be fearful rather than right. <laughs> and so good for you. I was in, uh, amazed at your story. But could I ask you this? I really think we, I, I would, a preference of mine would be to see a movement just reject this whole political party control of our ballots by reclaiming our individual ballots. In your experience as a, uh, as a clerk there in the county, what would happen if, if a large number, hundreds, perhaps thousands of voters said, uh, this is my ballot and no association that I am not a member of is going to determine who I vote for, but they use the write-in line and, uh, and, and fill in the oval there. Tell me what would happen. Uh, yeah, you just you can just um, you'd have to register as a write-in candidate uh, so they could put the line there. But um, yeah, I, I think so. Here's the thing that they're going to try to confuse people with, though. They're going to try to uh, put in rank choice voting. And because it's going to sound good, it's going to sound like, oh, well, you know, if you want to to pick a, a, a Republican and then your next pick is a, a constitutionalist or the next one is the Green, you know, don't fall for that. Because what they're going to say is with ranked choice voting and why that's so wonderful is you can do that. The problem is, is you will have to have a machine and you will never, ever know who actually won that election. So, you know, we've got to be really careful. They're going to, they're going to, um, you know, some States have already implemented ranked choice voting. It's already in our machines. Um, it's, it was already in my machine. So, um, we really need to be careful about that, but I agree. I think that, 
that, you know, uh, we're working right now in Colorado, and that's why I ran for Colorado GOP chair as the last ditch effort to save Colorado. Unfortunately, there were people that were that were afraid that I might go to jail. Um, of course, they don't understand the appeal process just goes on and on and on for, you know, um, but because we want to close our primaries and I don't know. And it sounds like in Montana, you have open primaries as well. Is that what happens? Yes, we do. See, that is so bad because that is a violation of the 14th Amendment. So John Eastman, we partnered with him to put together a lawsuit to go after the secretary of state and declare that it is it is illegal. So it violates the first and the 14th Amendment because as a private. So in in the case of a Republican uh, GOP primary, you should not you should be able to pick who is in your club. Right. Your freedom of association. And so it's it's illegal not to be able to do that and to have to bring have unaffiliated, which do exactly what what Dan was talking about earlier. Uh, they can switch parties at will uh, just to foil uh, the, the good candidates. So um, uh, that's what I was set to do. I was set to raise money for that. And um, unfortunately, the guy that got in right now, there's no evidence that he's going to do anything about anything. So um, I'm real dis disappointed with that. But there, I'm focused more on the national stage right now with China invading our country as, as we speak um, and waking people up. So I'm traveling to churches to talk to them. And that was one of the things the DA said to the judge. He said, well, he said, because she has a bully pulpit, he, they don't want me using my first amendment, right. Of free speech. They don't want me saying these things to you guys. As a matter of fact, they used three clips, 22nd, 32nd, a 52nd clip that said um, something about it being a badge of honor that um, the the obstruction of and what I meant was corrupt government operation, but the DA used that uh, to go after me and to make the judge mad. So um, we don't have our First Amendment rights, um, but I'm being punished because I have a bully pulpit talking with you guys today. Well, uh, Tina, you and I are kindred spirits because I ran for the state uh, GOP chair in Montana and five minutes before the vote, they changed the rules that had been in place for 80 years wow. so that they could figure out a way to uh, keep me from being the state chair. Um, there were, I don't know, 250, I believe, votes at the state convention, including legislators and, you know, different uh, county, uh, different county people. And they changed the vote, uh, changed the rules five minutes before the vote. And the other two candidates, they knew I was going to win soundly in the first round, which I did. I mean, resoundingly beat both of them. And they had a deal worked out where they combined their votes that whoever lost on that first round would guarantee all the votes uh, of the people that voted for them for the other candidate, and they beat me by 12 votes at, yeah, out of 250. So I, I know all about this. I, I know how this works. And it's actually a wonderful thing, because when they did that, um, I was asked to do a, a podcast, a radio show. Um, 
And I had the time to do that because I had uh, not been elected to the state GOP chair position. So that's how we win this battle. Uh, when they when they throw up one ro roadblock, we turn around and go through another door. And right. you're doing that right now. So God bless you. You, you really you. are doing the right thing. We've got to go to the churches. I mean, they're coming. You can see they're coming after Christians or coming after patriots. We are in their crosshairs. And uh, we have to wake these people up. And I, I agree with you, Dan. I think it was Providence. You know, God turned. <laughs> oh, look who's there. So, um, yeah. Hey there. You're all good. Uh, I, I want to introduce Jordan. Uh, Jordan Conradson is a, a reporter for the Gateway Pundit. Uh, Jordan, we played that clip uh, at the very beginning of the program, uh, the comments from the Ninth Circuit Court justices about the, the goofy, flimsy case that Maricopa County tried to bring forward. I mean, it was absolutely insulting. If I was the attorney working for Maricopa County, I guarantee I'd never get another job after that scathing rebuke. <laughs> anyway, uh, please tell, tell our listeners about your court case, and then maybe very briefly about what's going on in Maricopa County and then the state of Arizona with Carrie Lake. All right. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I mean, Dan, thank you for having me on. Um, I, I want to apologize. I, I got the memo that it was two o'clock to four o'clock, which my time it, it's now two o'clock. So I, I was, I got a little confused, but yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah. So we, we had, we had a win in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which I mean, a little surprising. You know, the Biden judge agreed with us. The George W. Bush agreed with us. The Trump judge, of course, he he agreed with us. But it was it was really exciting to get that win. You know, we we first got shot down by the district court here in the Ninth District here in Phoenix, and we we had to appeal it to the Court of Appeals in California which I mean, it, it was surprising. It wasn't surprising that they gave us the relief we were requesting, which they gave us a few months ago. They, they said, look, you have to give Jordan Conrad's in a press pass. I'm seeing if I have that press pass on my desk, but I, I it looks like I don't, it's probably in my car in my, in my bag somewhere. Um, it was really exciting really to just get this win. I mean, that that's what we're excited about. You know, it's, it's, not only a win for the Gateway Pundit, it's a win for the First Amendment. It's a win for our Constitution. And I, I know that's something that we're talking about today is the Constitution two-party system. Um, and Tina, how, how are you doing? I, I, I just I just realized that's Tina Peters right there from Colorado. Um, hey there, Jordan. <laughs> I was like, oh, is that Tina Peters? But yeah, so... Um, it's it's really exciting just to win this case. You know, we we had a one hundred and seventy five thousand settle dollar settlement with Maricopa County, which I mean, it, it pays for the attorneys. It helps us out a little bit. Um, but in the the grand scheme of things, really, what's exciting here is not the money. It's it's not about any of that. I mean, we we would have paid the attorneys' fees regardless. It's about winning for the First Amendment, winning for our Constitution, winning for our country. Because, you know, for Maricopa County to really disregard the First Amendment like that, it 
kind of, I guess, hurt my feelings, but also it was unconstitutional. And that's what the courts found. Um, I'm not disparaging Maricopa County at all, um, but it was very fulfilling to get that ruling on our behalf. And yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say about that really. But here in Arizona, you know, Kerry Lake's still going out. Abraham Hamaday's still going at Mark Fincham, he's still going at it as well. So, you know, we we had over 50% of the tabulators fail on election day, which is complete, you know, I, I can't say BS, but yeah, I'll say BS. Well, you can say it, but, but yeah, it is. You have over 50% of the tabulators targeting Republicans on election day when of course they knew Republicans, we, we turn out on election day, we vote on election day because we, we don't really trust that mail-in system. But what's interesting is that the Arizona Supreme court recently sent back the signature verification claim part of Carrie Lake's lawsuit, which was erroneously dismissed is what, what they ruled. They ruled that, look, you trial court, Maricopa County Superior Court, you made an error in dismissing this signature verification claim where Carrie Lake is not challenging the process by which they verify the signatures, but verifying the actual signature verification, the actual, um, you know, what they use to say, verify the signatures. They, they didn't actually verify the signatures. I've seen signatures from 2020 where it's just scribbles. It's like, I mean, it looks like a fifth grader just scribbled something on a ballot envelope and submitted it. And they just accepted these ballots, counted them, accepted them, received and counted. And, you know, that that's something that Carrie's going through right now. She's currently dealing with trying to fight the sanctions by Maricopa County. Maricopa County, they they always want to sanction people who try to question their election system, which is which is odd to me. It's like, oh, Maricopa County, are, are you the supreme leader when it comes to elections? Are we not allowed to question your elections? And that's what they're trying to do with these sanctions. They're trying to say, you're not allowed to question our elections. You're going to get sanctioned if you do. It's, it's in my opinion, it's really a fear tactic used against the people, we the people, to stop us from questioning elections, which is which is pretty interesting. I mean, Tina, I'm sure you're you're aware of that. I'm sure you're familiar with scare tactics used to <laughs> stop you from questioning elections, but. That, that's what we're going through here in Maricopa County. They're like, don't question our elections or we will sanction you. We will, I don't know if they're going to file, try to um, get bar complaints against these people, but yeah, they're, they're really trying to scare attorneys out of trying to question the elections, which is, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's scary that a government- It's anti-American, Jordan. It's anti-American. Exactly, Dan. Yes. Um, hopefully, I agree. hopefully they will get all the information out about Adrian Fontes and uh, uh, Hobbs and, you know, how corrupt they are down there. So, you know, the cartel, I mean, is, is alive and well in the United States, mm -hmm. as you know. So um, but the fear and intimidations. So I, I noticed you don't call that mayor corruption county like a lot of people do. 
Bear <laughs> I have heard of that. Um, it hasn't quite stuck with me, but yeah, that that might be uh, something I start using now. Mayor Corruption County. I, I like that one. Well, uh, Jordan, I I, I just want to ask. I know you're not going to be on with us for long, but I want to ask you about Kerry uh, Lake's uh, process now. If you would kind of define the steps that she still has to go through and um, some of the things she's run into because she was, she was ahead by 13 points with a week to go uh, exactly. over Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs refused to, to debate her. She refused to even do a, a, a public forum together. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like Joe Biden hiding in the basement and getting six cars to show up in Phoenix to one of his rallies when uh, in Arizona we had a 95-mile-long caravan of Trump supporters when Trump came. Yes, I, I remember that. I was a part of that caravan for President Trump, 95 miles. It spanned all the way, um, I, I think, halfway to Prescott's, that Dylan's Ranch, Great, great conservative place, you know, um, you know, have a good party, have a good rally. You know, Terry's held multiple rallies at Dylan's Ranch, and they have turned out tens of thousands of people. I mean, maybe 20,000, maybe 10,000. I'm not sure the exact number, but thousands of people showing up to Kerry Lake rallies, whereas Katie Hobbs is only getting, uh, you know, tens of people. Um, less than 100 at her best rally, not even 100 people show up. And like you said, she was down, what, 12, 13 points in that latest Fox 10 poll right before the election. Um, she refused to debate. She's twice convicted racist. People in Arizona really hate Katie Hobbs. And that, that's kind of the vibe I'm picking up now, being on the ground, talking to people. They don't like Katie Hobbs. I, I personally, I don't think... Anybody voted for Katie Hobbs. The latest Rasmussen poll, exit poll, which shows that hey, Carrie Lake actually won the election. Abraham Hamaday, he actually won the election. Mark Fincham actually won the election. So they're they're really going up against this corrupt system, Mara Corruption County, as uh, Tina, <laughs> Tina, you know, that that's, that's a really good phrase. I like that. I've heard that once before, but it kind of never really stuck with me to, you know, start calling it Mayor Corruption Cali, but I, I really like that. Um, yeah, so Carrie's going through right now the lawsuit. She's going to the Arizona Supreme Court, which is a pretty, pretty big deal. I mean, highest court in our state. And the Supreme Court told the trial court, Judge Peter Thompson, look, you you failed in your duty by dismissing this count related to signature verification. They tried to say, oh, she's questioning the process. She should have done this before the election if she really wanted to question the signature verification process. Mm -hmm. But no, she's not questioning the process. Of course, there's a process that mandates you have to verify the signatures. She's questioning whether or not they actually verified these signatures. And so, Peter... Um, the Arizona Supreme Court sent it back to Peter Thompson and said, look, you erroneously dismissed this count. You need to take a further look at it. 
Um, Carrie Lake and her attorneys, they've been trying to get a hold of the signatures. So has Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers, the head of the, the chair of the Arizona Elections Committee, the Senate Elections Committee. And Maricopa County just doesn't want to give them up in out of fear of the, you know, they, they said in the best interest of the state, they're, they're afraid of revealing that the signature verification is a sham. They're not actually verifying these signatures. They're just sending them through. As I, you know, I spoke about earlier, um, we saw some of the 2020 signatures that were presented in the Arizona Senate Elections Committee, and they're they're just scribbles on paper. They're they're not actual signatures. They're unverified. They're unverifiable. They, these ballots should have been thrown out tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and so. We're, we're going back to the trial court, it looks like. Right now, in the Supreme Court, it looks like Carrie's fighting against sanctions. Like, like I said, Maricopa County is trying to sanction her for even bringing these issues up, for even questioning the election. And so once, once that gets sorted out, I don't believe Carrie's going to get sanctioned. I mean, I, I, I pray that the justices on the Arizona Supreme Court have the courage to shoot down what Maricopa County is trying to do to patriotic Americans who are questioning the elections. You know, they're, they're saying, look, this is America, the bedrock of our country, the bed, bedrock of our constitution, constitutional republic is elections and election integrity. And they're going to be fighting it all the way. They, they could go to the Supreme Court if this doesn't work, but there's going to be they're sending the signature verification count, the count regarding signatures, which there was probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of illegitimate signatures that were elected by Mar or accepted by Maricopa County. And they're, they're trying to fight that in the trial court, get access to the signatures, examine the signatures. And once they do that, I believe that it's over if, if they can get access to the signatures. There's a file as, as clerk, there's a file that we put in to the, we load up into the runback system and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the problems with runback, they're right there in Arizona, but I, that's what I had in my County as well. I had the runback, a jealous machine, and it depends on what they set the sensitivity of it when they run through the ballots. Um, also, if a, if a signature is exact, it will not kick it out. How do you get an exact signature? Right. As I mean, copy, yeah. Right? Even with who's great at a signature, there's variations. There's little differences. Okay. In yeah. So, so with Runback, you know, Runback is part of, uh, allegedly part of the, uh, this high echelon of the Mormon church. I have friends that are Mormon, so I'm not trying to put down Mormons per se, but the cartel and the Mormon church, we're finding out more and more, as you know, that they're involved in all of this. So Runback mm -hmm. is, um, is very questionable. And they sent all those ballots, right, to Runback. And what did Runback do? And then they sent them back after they counted them. So I don't know if, if you're familiar with that, Jordan, with what exactly happened. Well, uh, one thing I want to ask Jordan and I, I um, do you see your uh, win in the Ninth Circuit Court having an impact on Carrie Lake's uh, court case? Because 
that they established pretty clearly in the Ninth Circuit that uh, they really had some screwballs trying to uh, trying to say, you know, this is uh, uh, this young man doesn't have First Amendment rights. Uh, this group doesn't have First Amendment rights. This is uh, a huge uh, plus for Carrie Lake, I would see, in her court cases. Maybe I'd, I'd like to have you answer that. Right. I mean, certainly I can I can only hope that it's going to help with Perry's court case. Um, it, it was in the federal court versus the state court, which Perry's currently going through. I, I mean, I've, I've heard um, Terry speak in different interviews that she she will take this all the way. I mean, she's told me that she'll take this all the way to the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, if necessary. So hopefully the federal courts have the same backbone that well, hopefully the state courts have the same backbone that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals had um, to grant me the relief we were requesting. But, you know, it's it's the fact that why were they trying to keep me out of the press room? Why were they? I mean, I'm one of the only reporters here in Arizona that's covering election fraud, that's covering the questionable things that happen in our elections and with our election elected officials that run elections. So hopefully that's something, you know, the fact that they tried to exclude me from the press room, hopefully that can help Harry's case. But at the same time, I mean, we, we really don't know. We, we just have to wait and see. Um, I'm hoping if, if Carrie has to, and she goes to the U S Supreme court that they'll have the same, courage that they had in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to give her the rightful relief that she's requesting. I mean, which is overturning the election, either doing a revote or completely overturning. I think it should be overturned. I mean, you've got 50% of the tabulators failing. You've got missing chain of custody for tens, if not hundreds of thousands of ballots. You've got missing signature verification for tens if not hundreds of thousands of ballots. Um, it, it's just ridiculous how our elections are run. It's a complete sham. This is how the communists take over. This is how Hitler took over in Nazi Germany with sham, sham elections. He, he, he got into power and he started basically destroying civilization. So you know, I'm, I'm very scared what will happen if we don't get our elections figured out, especially for 2024, where I believe President Trump will be the nominee. I mean, without a doubt, but that, that's my belief. Well, um, something that happened in Maricopa County, and I think, Tina, you actually are pretty familiar with a lot of the stuff that happened there as well, but... Uh, didn't they uh, throw out the envelopes with the signatures on them in Maricopa County? Uh, wasn't that part of the the claims that uh, happened in in twenty twenty with the legislature with the Senate was that they didn't have some of the uh, some of the envelopes that uh, mail in ballots were supposed to be mailed in that had a signature on the inside of that envelope? That was my understanding that they they mm -hmm. did they didn't want to produce those. 
Um, and because I know the, a lot of the people that went down there and did the audit. Um, by the way, I'm going to be in Arizona next week at the Badlands uh, Conference in Chandler. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah. So if anybody's well, going to be down there, yeah. I'll, I'll maybe send you um, what I've got your phone number. Maybe we can get together for. Uh, for lunch or something, because that, that would be dynamite. Um, Rick, um, you now are, you've gotten a chance to listen to some really, really expert people on what's going on with the election process. Uh, what do you think about this, how this sorts out with the idea of going to strictly paper ballots? Well, I, I was going to ask Tina another question, and I've asked election administrators here, <clears throat> why is it, what about going to all hand-counted elections? And and I don't get positive responses. They Some of them have almost indicated it's an impossibility, and I don't understand why. Well, they're uh, doing it right now. They're doing it right now in Texas. Actually, Beth Beasel uh, asked me if I could get some people together to help. And they're going to, it's going to be recorded. They're going to show exactly how easy it is. And they'll be putting that information out here uh, pretty soon. But, um, it, you know, we need to have I mean, our money. I, this is what I say. Our money has you know, is, is on special paper, you know, that non-counterfeit, anti-counterfeit paper. Our ballots need to be on anti-counterfeit paper. That's not a big deal. You know, um, there's things that are so simple. But but see, we're looking at common sense. We're looking at practicality. They're looking at wanting to cheat and to steal. Um, and that's the only reason why these things have not been implemented. And uh, I know Jeff uh, can speak to that as well. Well, well we haven't Jeff. have Jeff, uh, please, uh, because you are part of this verification process uh, with what you've been doing with the forensic stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, not a, not a problem. Uh, I was also want to point out that uh, in the uh, election a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, Linda Rance uh, is the one who came up with a with a particular method. They ran that in Osage County. It really went off uh, without a uh, uh, without a problem. Uh, well, it, when I, the, it, there were some issues, but the issues were caused by interference, of course, by the county. That's the, if you take those out of it, uh, it it went extremely well. It uh, established a baseline, I believe, uh, and, and the one in Texas, and other ones are going to, of course, help into that uh, for, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have something where people can go out uh, to a website someday and are going to type in uh, how many voters they expect, uh, how many uh, how many judges they want, how many teams, you know, all this, this stuff, and it's just going to be able to tell them, here's what's going to cost you, and here's how many people you need, and here's how long it'll take. Uh, it... If you look at the number of precincts across America, which I used to know and I've forgotten, but it's a lot, <laughs> 3,100 3, uh, or so counties and all of them broken up into many, many precincts. The problem precincts, and I would say the only, the, the only, the only people who can actually start screaming about this as is it not being an easy process are the ones who have the, the, the too many, too many voters in their precinct to begin with. 
and and so this is a problem that should have been solved a long time ago, but now it's coming down the road. And if you look at the number, and you know, I'm going to pick an arbitrary number. Let's 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 say, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred. Uh, for everything I've seen, the the hand counting uh, with paper ballots will be a breeze in those counties. And you're talking probably 90, 95% of the country, maybe more. Uh, and so you've got a few problem counties. And of course, those are the ones that they're going to talk about. They're not going to talk about the, the vast, nearly entire majority that could switch to this in a heartbeat, save money, uh, and, and uh, uh, actually have verifiable uh, elections uh, for a change. You've got the workers there anyway. I'm sorry, Jeff. You, you've got the workers there anyway. Oh yeah, oh yeah. See, this, there's you know, you know, they accuse us of the big lie, of course, by just keep continually piling the lies on in their side. You know, they lie and they say, well, people, people make mistakes. Well, yeah, by ones and twos, not by hundred thousands and two hundred thousands. Uh, Second, they say, well, you know, maybe there could be. Uh, uh, maybe there could be bad. They actually say maybe we get some bad people in there who are doing the counting, which I, by the way, find insulting. When anybody uses that, I want to fight them. Uh, but <laughs> nevertheless, even if that's the case, guess what? Uh, that means they've got to actually, since it's at least a two-person or four-person team, that means they've got to bribe all of them to do that. Uh, the point is, again, you're talking small numbers of possible of possible fraud anyway in that point. So the first lie. The second lie is, oh, we'll never find the people. Well, you know, they they that is a convenient excuse that you hear all the time. Uh, you, you, the reason you can't find the people is because they've lost faith in the system. That's why. What difference does it make? Okay? You give people something to actually give them hope that this is going to fix the problem. All we need is your help. You You'll be turning people away. From from doing this, so that's the second lie, and the third lie is it's too expensive, which is uh, which is perhaps the most egregious lie, and and uh, there was a there was a uh, a county which I will not name, I don't want to embarrass them. There are some good people there uh, that that said it's going to cost us if we if we switch to hand counting, it's going to cost us like three hundred thousand dollars, and that's like that's utterly ridiculous. And so I I actually had them look into and press them on where they're coming their numbers. It's like, well, they're including the fact that they signed a multi-year contract with ESNS that they have to pay two or three hundred thousand dollars over the next two years because of their bad decision they made a couple years ago. Sorry, not our problem. Let's do it right, okay? They're, they're, it makes me so angry. I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm angry today. I'm usually, you know, <laughs> well, you're wearing that shirt, buddy. Maybe that's it. But but here's the thing. Well, something else that makes me, you know, angry and gets my Irish up is when, when people, when you have uh, election uh, jurisdictions, like people, uh, poor mouthing. It's like, oh, well, I don't know. We're going to find the money to do this. I don't. Uh, oh, we don't have the money. Oh, we can't raise taxes again. Oh, we can't do this. And you know what? That indicates a fundamental problem in our country. Uh, what's more important, giving our election uh, precincts and counties what they need to do fair and accurate elections or propping up Ukraine, which is more different? You know, you could take a tenth of what we sent to Ukraine, spread it around the country to precincts and counties, and they'd never have to complain about money for, you know, 10 years. Probably. 
I made those numbers up, but I think that it makes sense. <laughs> Nick is rather, look, at, look how red his face is getting yeah, now. Yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> this, this, I don't like being lied to. Well, and, 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 and Jeff, no, I'm going to make a comment here because, you, you know, they always say the same thing. We can't afford it or it's impossible to do that. What did we do uh, with uh, elections before 1992? We hand counted. We did it. I That's mean, we did it waste. and it wasn't a problem. It was a perfectly easy process. That has been erased, Dan. I mean, from, from our memory and our collective consciousness. Never happened. We never hand counted. We've always had machines. We were always at war with Eurasia. Right. Here, Dan, um, I, I got to get running because I have a meeting at three o'clock to be at, but I, I want to build to your point. How much are we spending on these machines? Millions and millions of dollars. How much are we spending on these third party companies to help us with our elections? Um, Tina, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Veris Pro, the automated intelligence signature verification that they're using. I mean, they're, they're spending hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on these different programs. Why can't we just pay people to do it? I, I think it would probably cost less. I mean, you get a hundred committeemen from each party in each precinct. You know, you, you have enough people to count an election. If you bring it down to precincts and you can, you can count them from there, you can use what 100 people from each precinct to quickly count these ballots by hand have the election results on the night of the election later in the night but um i mean that that's all i have to say on that hopefully that can help you guys or not not help you guys but hopefully that can build some more conversation um well uh, jordan got... i will have to say it's refreshing to see someone uh 22 years old with your uncommon common sense uh, we need more common sense in this country, and the young people are the ones that are going to suffer the most if they don't get on the bandwagon and start saying no when these people tell you you can't do things. I agree. Yeah, and uh, kids my age, you know, I'm I'm only 21. I'm not 22 yet, but kids in college, you know, they're they're going through this. It's literal Marxist indo indoctrination, trying to destroy our country, destroy our families, and really empower those who are already in power, empower the elites of society, and destroy capitalism. Who are targeting our youth here? Here in universities, you know, I've I've got friends in university, I've got a girlfriend in university, and I hear a lot about their coursework and experiences. And it's really just a destruction of our country's values, what what they're being, what's being pumped into their minds. So, I mean, I, I thank you for commending me for that, Dan. Um, I'm, I'm glad I'm not one of them. I'm glad I'm not a woke leftist 20-year-old, 21-year-old college student, but I would say that's that's probably the the greatest threat to our democracy. They they say it's um, allegations of voter fraud. Oh, it's the greatest threat to our democracy. No, the greatest threat to our constitutional republic or democratic republic really is college education, teaching kids that look all you need to believe is those in power, all you need to believe is the media because they're the experts. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't take much to be a 
media talking head. I mean, I'm, I'm not a media talking head. I actually try to do my research. I try to get the correct and true narrative. Unlike the leftist mainstream media who are just listening to what their editors want them to push out. And their, their editors, of course, owned by the corporate structure, owned by the leftist politicians. So, I mean, hopefully we can push this correct and true narrative out to the masses, out, out to the younger generation, get them the correct indoctrination. Because, I mean, that, that's all they're doing. They're indoctrinating our kids, um, other people's kids, kids in general. We need to indoctrinate them with the truth. Amen. Inject them with the truth and so much for the vaccines. Uh, that's the vaccine we need. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you again for being our guest, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you um, for me, I'll thank stay you in touch guys. with you. Yeah, um, thank you, Rick. See you guys. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, Tina, you have a lot on your plate. They're going to be pushing uh, now and trying to demonize you even more. Um and I guess I want a conversation between you and Jeff and see how uh, his work is helping you in maybe backing some of these things away. Well, I think that uh, I know that uh, our good friend, Mike Lindell, it has already said he's coming out with some things. So I, I imagine Jeff's probably got a preview of that, but um you know, that's the thing. We've got to just keep putting it out there, calling these criminals out, um, you know, controlling the narrative. Like I said, they uh, uh, they were crucifying me because I have a bully pulpit. They don't want me talking about this. They want to control the narrative. And uh, so we've just got to keep talking. We've got to keep waking the people up and exposing the truth. I tell people all the time, I say, you know, it. Give people selection code, go through all of your contacts and, and say it's an hour long. You're going to like it. Watch this movie, uh, you know, selectioncode.com. It's free. There's no excuse for people not to be getting some education uh, about what is going on because it is going to affect them. And uh, that's my concern is just there's so many people that are asleep that we've got to keep doing shows like what you're doing, Dan, connecting the dots and others. You know, I have a uh, Tina, the Tina Peters show, somebody else named that <laughs> uh, on Badlands Media where I'm speaking out. I actually had Joe Hoft on there uh, and uh, some other people. There's uh, the pastor, uh, Jimmy Morales in Nevada, that uh, him and Joey Gilbert and uh, um, uh, Jim Marchant sued the governor and won when uh, to open up the churches back during the COVID mm -hmm. uh so, um, you know, we can have an effect, but we've got to come together and we've got to make sure that we stay cohesive and not, you know, I, I see sometimes people fighting, you know, in the middle of this thing and we can't afford to do that. We have to be like the 300, you know, the, the, um, mm -hmm. I, I love that, that movie. Uh, if you've seen it, the, the 300 Spartan. about, mm -hmm about the Spartans. I mean, they were, they were vastly outnumbered, but because they were 
cohesive and together and fearless. And just like Gideon, you know, God sent a, a bunch of those people away, you know, that were uh, fighting with him. And so we don't need a lot of numbers, but we need people that are educated, uh, that can spread the word and help wake people up and just love on people. I mean, God, I, I say this, I say, you know, um, at the end of my life, you know, I haven't gotten paid for any of this. Um, I've spent pretty much my savings on all this and whatever I made when I was a clerk, I have no income now. Um, but when I, uh, uh, but that's not the point I want to hear at the end of my life, well done, good and faithful servant, because we don't have a lot of time on this earth. We can already see that with China uh, aligning with Russia, that's Gog and Magog. I used to teach eschatology years ago, uh, the study of end time events. I mean, we don't have a lot of time left and it's what we do right now that's going to make a difference. So people need to stand up. They need to figure out what their, what their role is. I think everybody on this on this podcast already knows what their role is, but we've got to wake up the others uh, instead of just being consumers of all this information that we're putting out there to start acting. And uh, I don't see this any different than when I read the, the Declaration of Independence, which I think everybody should read and instead put, instead of the King, put the Biden administration and you're going to see how similar that mm -hmm. is. And, um, you know, when we're talking about the open borders, I mean, it talks about that. People don't realize it talks about mm -hmm. that in the Declaration of Independence. It talks about changing the laws, all these things that were nothing's new under the sun, um, except for we're going to I don't I, I hate to put bad news on everybody. But when I used to teach eschatology, I could not find America in the end time events. We are in danger of losing our country right now. China is literally, as we speak, invading our country. They're buying up our land. They're uh, they're they're coming over here. So it we've we've got a we've got an urgent cry to get out there and fight uh, in whatever way we uh, you know that we can, mm -hmm. but with our voices for sure. As as uh, you know, as you started out the show with Dan, with our voices. Absolutely. Well, we have no choice and we need to get to people, make people understand they have, first of all, they have a responsibility to their kids and their grandkids. We inherited a wonderful country. We need to make sure that we pass that country along to our children and grandchildren. So we have that responsibility as parents and grandparents. But we also have a responsibility to our Lord and Savior to stand as faithful servants and to do what God wants us to do. And God does not like, uh, he doesn't want us to be lambs. He wants us to be lions, but in his name. And that's something that's important for us to understand. Um, Rick, I, I, that's an area that you're especially well-versed in, and I, I want to get your comments on that, please. Well, I've got a good friend that says it this way. Our problems aren't political. They're theological. And uh, wrong politics derives from wrong theology. And I would say we've had uh, a lot of wrong theology for a lot of years, and we're suffering the consequences. But I, and I agree, um, 
in this battle, John Quincy Adams said it this way, duty belongs to us, results belong to God. And uh, I, I think we have to say we haven't been faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, and I don't know how strong I should say this, but we've got weak churches and effeminized pastors that have been uh, uh, compromising the truth for too long. And we need to recognize that, I think. Um, Jeff mentioned that he's mad. I was kind of proud of him when he said that, quite <laughs> frankly, because in an, in an age of injustice, such as we see today, it's all around us. I just, I abhor injustice and we ought to be mad and we, we ought to be indignant and, uh, and we ought to let conviction uh, come forth. The things that we have taught, uh, Dan, is, is just appalling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and shame on us, <laughs> you know, as we strategize here about the injustice with uh, elections, then, uh, you know, certainly we need to recognize where we've not been uh, faithful and we've compromised uh, to the point where we've lost our credibility. But I don't, I'm not much else to say. Right. Well, um, Rick, I'm going to make a comment to that, though. I, I know what a, uh, a, a truly faithful man you are. I know that you uh, are someone who really holds that relationship with your Lord and Savior very dearly. But I have to tell people at the point where we get uh, to the point where we don't seek truth, anymore. We are so willing to accept something just because the truth scares us so much. I pray every day that the Lord will will give me the truth, no matter how much it hurts. We need to understand what the truth is, because it's the only way we can make good decisions and be faithful servants. That's the only way we'll ever understand. And so we should all pray for that, and we should all, uh, the, the people who want to ignore the truth, uh, we should pray for them as well, because uh, the sheeple are not going to re- resolve the problem. The people are, and it's time for us to stand up and show the backbone that God gave us uh, when he made us uh, stand upright as human beings. <laughs> Just that simple. Um Jeff, I, I want to give you a little bit of time uh, to uh, kind of r- wrap up. What is going on now? Would you be able to address the relationship with uh, with uh, Dennis Montgomery and some of the things that Dennis is trying to do to uh, make sure that this process continues to expose the election fraud? Well, sure. Um... Dennis is not going to back down. Uh, neither am I, neither is Mike, neither are the other uh, small handful of people that uh, are involved in this particular effort. Uh, we are in the right, which always helps in something like this, 
Uh, and it is inevitable on an unknown timeline. Um, I'm, I'm, I, would, I would be lying if I said that I thought this would take this long. Uh, but uh, as, the, as the great thing goes, no battle plan ever survives contact with the enemy. Uh, that's a that's a very important thing. So you've got to be ready, uh, you know, ready to react, ready to and and uh, there is tremendous pushback from our Justice Department, from our Defense Department, you know, for, from you know, pick your three letter agency, and they are involved in this. Um, but nevertheless, uh, there 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 are there is going to be a ruling. They can't put this off forever. They've all, you know, they've already gone through, blown through some uh, deadlines uh, that they had. And uh, um, I don't care what judge you are, you don't particularly like uh, having your deadlines ignored uh, by anyone. So uh, it's 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 an ongoing process. And like I said, uh, if you know, if I want to try to find uh, lemonade out of the lemon of of having to wait uh, on this. Uh, it has given us more time and frankly, uh, more impetus, more more desire to to mine additional information out of this uh, and uh, you know be be ready to to present a a, a complete case uh, when this is over. Uh, as as with uh, this is national security we're talking about. Our elections are part of our national security infrastructure. And uh, that is uh, that's a big part of this. Um, it, it it really is. So I, I guess you know, answering your question best I can is uh, this is going to be pushed forward to completion, and there is a tremendous amount of effort under the surface. Uh, you know, it's like sharks fighting under the surface of a, of a, of a clear uh, <laughs> ocean. Uh, that's what's what's going on right now. And and we are winning that fight, uh, just not as quickly as I think any of us uh, hoped that that would happen. But like I said, we are in the right. We have we we have the receipts, as it were. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the stuff. Now, the bad news is we have the receipts. <laughs> And they know we have the receipts. So they're obviously going to do whatever they can to delay this as long as possible. But I think based on, on, on what I've seen, I think they are finally coming to a revelation that they cannot delay this forever. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I'm, you know what, I, I and, and others are, are we're keeping working on everything else at the same time. You know, what we have here is a full-blown RICO corruption case uh, across the country, a corruption, you know, uh, uh, and it should be prosecuted as such. And, uh, you know, we, we are in the same situation as, as Tina pointed out when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, because if you think about it, uh, we no longer have trust. In fact, we have some evidence that our representatives are not being duly elected by the people. Yet we are being taxed. What is that called? It's called taxation without representation. We are guaranteed to be a republic. And, and our government has broken faith. This has just been a socialist takeover that's followed the same, the same uh, battle plan as pretty much everyone that's ever happened. It usually involves a, uh, a sham election. Uh, and then you, you vilify the other person. You kill them if you can, but otherwise you try to jail them. 
or, or vilify the, the, the old leader. You find the leader's most fervent uh, supporters and you try to jail them or persecute them. Check. Okay. It's, it's really, like, as, as Tina said, there's nothing new under the sun. This is just the same old playbook, but we thought it would never, we thought it could never happen here. And the right. cognitive dissonance of a lot of people saying, oh, wait, right, this could never happen here. Therefore, not it's not in America. Not in America. Not in America. So yeah. I'll, just, I'll just leave it there. Um, we're, we're winning. We're going to win. But, uh, you know, well, it's Jeff, sad to see how much uh, the poor condition of most souls, some souls in this country. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I I really appreciate you coming on. I uh, I want to continue this discussion. I hope you'll come on again because as as some of these issues, uh, they're doing their best to bury everything, and we cannot allow that to happen. Uh, my good friend David Sumrall, the the gentleman who's done probably just about the most in the country on exposing January sixth is. Uh, is, is the absolute travesty against the American people that it is. Um, we're all in this fight together. We all need to stand our ground. Tina, I absolutely uh, support you in any way I can. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to help your situation. And anytime any of you want a forum to uh, talk, just get a hold of me because uh, this is the public forum. This is what we used to have in this country when we had honest political debate, and that's gone. The lamestream media has nothing to do with honest debate anymore. So uh, we just have to continue with this. Uh, Jeff, thank you for being our guest. Uh, Rick, certainly thank you for being our guest, and Tina especially. God bless you, dear. You're doing a wonderful job of continuing to push this forward. Let me know anytime I can help. And incidentally, please do send me that video with the hand count uh, demonstration. I'd love to see that. And I will tell people, go to selectioncode.com. I can't wait to see that. Uh, I have not seen it. And the reports are on my uh, website, tinapetersforcolorado.com. And I'm going to start getting out a, uh, a shortened version uh, to explain it so people don't, you know, so they don't get so overwhelmed. That way, no one has an excuse that uh, that they can't uh, know what's going on. Um, so thank you so much. But well, this has been a great discussion, um, and we're out of time. But thank you again for being our guest, and I hope to see you again very, very soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. God bless you. Thank you. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to LA, where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say.
There ain't no doubt.